Everybody, how are you guys doing today? Good to have you here with us. I want to welcome all of you who are here at Lone Tree Campus, everybody listening in at one of our campuses, all of those who are tuning in online or who will be a part of this at any later point in time through the podcast. Thanks for being with us. Before I jump into the message this weekend, just want to uh, make a quick announcement. Obviously, I think all of us are aware of the horrible uh, tragedies going on in uh, Houston and the Texas area with Hurricane Harvey. And maybe you've been asking yourself if there might be a way to to physically get involved with that relief effort uh, with other people here at Jubilee Fellowship Church. Want to let you know that we are actively researching what might be the best way for us to have an impact. You know, the media comes in for the first, you know, couple of weeks and man, they're all over it and it's all over the place. But all of a sudden, a lot of times they pull out and a lot of the support goes with them and there's a lot of devastation left behind. Obviously not that they can't solve the entire problem, of course, not blaming them, but just saying that it, everything doesn't happen in the first two or three weeks. And so oftentimes what is left behind really is it becomes even as, as important as what happened uh, in the first week or two. And so we are researching what the best way to have impact. We're partnering with pastors and churches that we know, and we'll be getting that information out to you. So just stay tuned if you want to or are considering or praying about being a part of that together with your church family. So thank you for that. I want to welcome all of you to this new series called Why, and I want to let you know this. Um, I believe that God is really pleased with you already, before we even start. Amen. Is that crazy? Yeah. Here's why. Not only does God love you because you're his son and daughter, if you've put your faith in Jesus, not only does God love you, even if you haven't put your faith in Jesus yet, because he loves you. So not only is that, but, but here's specifically why, and I really believe that God wanted me to tell you this. I believe that when you crossed that threshold or that one if you came in through those doors, or at one of our campuses, you came in to the room, or you're listening online and you pressed play on your live stream to hear this word. It's because you made a decision in your heart. When we talk about why, and we're looking at you know, areas like marriage and family and children and sticking it out when it's tough in your marriage and even being single and what God might have for you, you, you know, there's a lot of voices in the wind, aren't there? A lot of opinions. Everybody's got an opinion, right? Hollywood celebrities, they got an opinion about this. And, you know, Cameron Diaz, oh, I don't know if marriage is really relevant. But then, of course, now she's married. Anyway, you know, George Clooney, I don't think it's in my future. You know, we don't know. Anyway, it's not our business. But the point being that there's so many voices in the wind, you have chosen to say, I want to know what God says about it. 
I believe if you're here, I'm serious. God knows that you're here. You made a decision somewhere in your heart and your mind to say in the midst of all these voices and opinions in the wind, I want to know what does God think about this? What does God say about it? What's in his word? What's his design? I think he's actually smarter than we give him credit for. So I want to know, hey, he wrote the book on, on people, on relationships, on love, on marriage, on parenting. Why don't we spend some time finding out what he has? has to say about it. And I'm telling you what, you made that decision by coming. There's already a blessing on you. God is getting ready to meet you right where you are. He wants to speak to you today. He wants to encourage you. He wants to, to comfort you if there's been pain. He wants to increase your hope if there's been brokenness. He wants to affirm you and give you strength and give you wisdom and strategy. And even if you're not married yet and you're looking forward to that, he wants to equip you to make you more more, you know, able to inherit his blessings in your life. So be encouraged today with that. But we are starting off this why series and our topic today is why marriage, right? Why marriage? And I wanted to give you several reasons and I wanted to warn you, I'm not going to go uh, in the order that it's written in your notes. Um, because you know what? God sometimes helps us in our weakness and helps us improve on things. And I wanted to start off with what is listed as point four. I'm gonna go over four answers to that question, why marriage? But I'm starting with number four in your notes. And as simply as this, marriage is God's idea. You know, we just talked about the idea that, hey, we're blessed because if we want to know what God thinks and want to honor him or at least hear what he has to say about something, this really should be point number one. It's his idea. He designed it. He invented it. He came up with it. And here's the thing. Our God is a God of covenant. Our God is a God of covenant. What does a covenant mean? It means making a promise to someone and then keeping it. And our God is not afraid to commit to someone or someones, and he's not too weak to keep his promises. If you were here last weekend or the last couple of weekends, we've talked about his covenant promise to the nation of Israel. And throughout history, we can see that against all odds and against an entire world that's raging against them, here stands this nation of Israel. Why? Because God is a God of covenant. And God made a promise, and you better believe it. When God makes a promise, he is going to keep it. That's the God that we serve. And so marriage is his idea. It reflects that covenant nature. And here's the thing. I think a lot of times we think that we can uh, copy or sort of clone covenant without really making a covenant. Or be, you know, we think we can kind of like, hey, it's not an Apple, it's not an iPhone, but it's kind of similar you know, made in like, you know, wherever, somewhere. I'm not going to insult anyone. But, you know, but it's not quite the real thing. You know, it's like Cupertino is misspelled on the back, you know, California. And here's the deal. God says, no, no, no. You're not going to experience the benefit of this unless you're actually in it. There's no way to copy it, clone it, pretend, counterfeit. It's got to be the real thing or nothing at all. And I started thinking to myself, what would it look like if I wanted to enjoy the benefits of a nice car, but didn't want to make the commitment or the covenant, so to speak, taking a little license here, and, and really take the responsibility for that thing, you know, what would that look like? I mean, really, what would that be like? I don't know. Take a look. Sweet. I'm at the Mike Ward McLaren dealership. This is going to be awesome. 
Welcome to McLaren Denver. I'm Brett Suter. You okay. see anything that catches your eye? Yeah, let's see here. Yeah, they're nice, but I was looking for something maybe a little bit more exotic. Fast? Yeah, fast. Follow me. All right. hand-built. It's built in Surrey, England. It's 563 horsepower, a twin-turbo V8, it's 3.8 liters. This is a carbon fiber tub, so it's a, essentially a, a single chassis car, and everything else is going to be glued to the side of the car. Okay. You've got your hand-stitched leather seats, you've got Alcantara. This car will do 0 to 60 in about 2.4 seconds, and it maxes out about 207 miles an hour. Oh my goodness. <laughs> talking about man Brett I love it man I think I'll take it awesome perfect let's, uh, let's can I just take can I just have the keys and just take it home and enjoy it let's do the paperwork paperwork dude I don't want what do you mean paperwork sign here here and here man I don't want to agree to anything and commit to anything I just want to enjoy the benefits of it man a commitment you got to buy the car first Oh, I thought you could just have it and enjoy it. What are you talking about? <laughs> Sir, I'm going to have to ask you to get out of the car. Oh, come on, man. Seriously? Get out of the car. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, that's probably what would happen if we had that mindset. But isn't that the mindset we sometimes bring to marriage covenants and relations? We think we can enjoy the benefits of it without actually being in the covenant. I'm telling you what, I believe God wants some of you to know this is specifically, maybe some of you are in a relationship right now and you're kind of doing that. You're kind of like, well, we're kind of ish married-ish, you know, in more or less and kind of doing the married thing. I want to tell you, the enemy is ripping you off. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God, Jesus came that you might have life and have it abundantly. Here's a word for you. Are you ready? The only kind of sex that God blesses is in marriage. So for some of you, you ask, why marriage? To have God bless sex. That should be, some of you should be like, thank you, pastor. That's all I need to hear. Woo, let's close service early. And you can find me on Thumbtack. I will officiate your wedding. For a price, of course. But here's the reality of it. God wants you to have blessed sex. That's a big part of it. He invented it. Is it okay to say that in church? I don't know. Is there a fine print rule what we can say, you know, on the air? So God invented sex. He invented marriage, but he invented it to be a part of a covenant relationship where it's blessed by him, where it's used by him to bring two people together over a lifetime, where they are enjoying safety, security, a growing friendship, growing love with each other. Don't let the devil rip you off. I'm telling you what, you want to enjoy that car? Buy the car. Woo! You know, we're so afraid. And here's, I think, what we're so afraid of in a covenant relationship. And this is something I really think is a, is a, is a truth that we have. We've bought into a lie that control equals happiness. Think about it. The things that I control, I want control over everything. Man, give me that remote. I want to control what's on. Hey, I want to decide where we go out to eat. I want to decide, you know, how close people can come to me. But once they start telling me truth about myself, oh, DJ, you can preach too long. Oh, man, you're, you're dangerously. And here's what it is. I've established myself to be the referee. I'm the judge. I'm the one who determines 
Who speaks to me, how they speak to me, how close they get to me, what right they have to treat me a certain way or whatever. And that doesn't go so well with covenant relationship, does it? Because on Facebook, if I don't like you, guess what? Unfriend. Bye-bye. Family relationships. I'm like, you offend me? Um, yeah, sorry. We can't come for Thanksgiving this year because um, we're shampooing our hair. Right? I mean, we can dictate. We can establish distance between us because when someone gets too close and ow, ow, that hurts. Whether it's intentional, whether it's unintentional, we can do this. Boom. Penalty flag. 15 yards, or better yet, ejected from the game. You're out of my life. You're out of my heart. But God is saying, as long as we have that mindset where we have control, where we're the referee, we're not going to enjoy the benefits of covenant. Because we've got to give that to the Lord. Say, God, here it is, man. I give you control. You be the referee of my life. I will be the player. Not, not player. Don't, don't. I'm going to be one of the players on the team. You're going to have control. And I want you to, to make me what you want me to be. I believe that's what holds us back so often from enjoying the benefits that are on the other side of giving up control to the Lord. But we can trust him. We can trust him. I'm telling you what, yes, there's pain. Yes, we will be hurt. Yes, we will be offended. Yes, we will have to learn to forgive. But in the middle of those things is God's incredible purposes for our lives. What about this? Another reason that I believe marriage is a gift from God is because we are wired for relationship. We're wired for relationship. We don't have to look very far to see that this is a reality. Even in 2017, in our evolved, realized, liberated selves, Look at, for example, dating websites, right? Dating websites. It's crazy to see what has happened in the last few years. I had him pull up a chart here of the number of people who visit these. And with Match.com, for example, it's the largest one. You'll see it on there. 35 million unique monthly visitors. And then the next one, Plenty of Fish. Wow, I hadn't even heard of that one. I think I need to get out more. But anyway, uh, 23 million unique visitors every month, right? Now, I know some people are doubling up. Like, you know what I'm saying? I want to increase my chances, you know, but you know, sign up to two or three or four. But, but here's the thing. So many of us are saying, I'm lonely, right? I need friendship. I need relationship. God wired us for that. I was reading an article in Fortune magazine, and it talked about the, the difference between 1970 to 1980, that decade, and 2010, so about 40 year span. In 1970, 1980, 11% to 20% of people reported suffering from loneliness, okay, in America. 11 to 20%. Fast forward those 40 years to 2010, and that number had increased to 40 to 46% of people. Almost half of Americans are declaring openly, I'm lonely. I'm not getting the relationship that I need. I don't experience the intimacy and a friendship that I need. Man, I'm lonely. Here's what happens. It's a serious problem because that study went on, or a different study that was done, over 3 million people found that in 26% of cases, so one out of every four, look on your seat right now, it's probably four people sitting on your row, one of the four of you, is gonna have a, a life uh, expectancy diminished because of loneliness. It can actually affect the functioning of your organs. 
It releases cortisol, which is kind of that fight or flight. Because when we're lonely, we know nobody else has our back. And we got to be like, what's going on? It actually reduces the quality of our sleep. I mean, this is literally like instinct, like survival instinct that it does. And so God wants us to know the good news in this is that God says, I created you, I designed you, I know you're wired not to be alone, but for relationship. In the very first chapter of the first book of the Bible, we learn about the story of creation. And God is, obviously has told Moses, you know, years later, how he created the world. And he talks about, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And, and he begins to describe it. And every so often he stops and uses this three word phrase, God looked and saw that it was good, right? And God kind of actually six different times during the process of creation stops and looks and says, it was good or it is good. But then in chapter two, verse 18, we see the very first time that a different phrase appears. And it says that the, um, I'm gonna read it to you. Genesis two, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good. Say not good. It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. See, God wired us for relationship. The very first thing. So there's this big, huge, you know, momentum, like, boom, creating the animals, boom, creating vegetation, boom, you know, evaporation, condensation, precipitation, check, you know, crazy looking fish with neon colors, check, you know, uh, galaxies and planets. Let's put Pluto in there where they're never going to figure out if it's a planet or not or what, you know, check, you know, keep them guessing, you know, God's doing all this crazy. He's like, high five, you know, it was good. It was good. It was good. Then it's like, boom, it's not good. God knew from the very beginning that he wired us for relationship. And so here's what it says that he did. He actually uh, created a, a helper suitable to us. And here's what, how that happened. God made the man go to sleep, put him to sleep, and then he took from his side a rib and he fashioned from that rib. Now check this out. The man was made from the dust of the earth, right? From the mud. The woman was made from the rib of the man. It's kind of like 2.0, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, but we're, we're, we're improving things here. But, but he took her from the man and he fashioned her and then he, he woke the man up. He obviously patched him up or whatever and he brought the woman to the man. And he was like, then the man was like, whoa, man. You know, and that's how she got her name, whoa, man. No, that's not really in the Bible. But, but here's what he said. This is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bones. She was taken from me. Therefore, she will be called woman. And here's what I believe is a, is, a, is a secret that God wants us to know. He created man in his image, right? And man had the qualities and characteristics of God, you know, creativity and wisdom and sensitivity and strength and beauty and all these different things. And man, but it's like, okay, you know, I, I, and I believe God was saying this in essence. You don't even know what's inside of you. You don't even know half of my image. You're not even seeing it, Adam. Let me take it out of you and bring it to you to where you can actually go, that was in me? Wow, that's a really, that's part of your image, God? Oh man, guys, hello. If you're married, you know, look at your wife, be like, you're part of the image of God. You're looking good, my sister. I believe that God is saying, man, this is part of my image, but you can't appreciate it. You can't understand it. You can't really be exposed to it while it was in you, I'm actually making it easy for you. Sometimes God has to make it easy for us, huh, guys? I'm gonna bring it to you face to face where you can interact with it. 
where it can actually be revealed to you and where you can have relationship. God wired us for relationship. But it's not just relationship, it's intimate relationship. Because then look at what it says in verse, uh, chapter two, verse 25. And I included this in a little translation uh, for a reason. I know it's a little awkward, the grammar here, but it says, and they are both of them naked. It's kind of like the redneck version. And they are both of them naked. I'm just seeing how many times I can say naked in church. I want this to be all over the internet, you know. And they are both of them naked, the man and his wife, and they are not ashamed of themselves. Here's what's cool, is I believe that God knows living naked is the best way to live. Woo, come on, somebody. There should be some shouts in here. Living naked. Now, I'm not talking about sitting in your underwear on the couch watching TV, you know, at 1030 at night before you go to bed. We already talked about sex being a gift from God, right? And that's definitely a part of this. God said, man, I invented this. I want you to be able to live naked and not be ashamed, but to truly be able to be who you are and have someone, as the definition of friendship says, someone who sees you, who knows you, knows all your faults and chooses to love you anyway. That's what God wants for you. That is what God wants for you. And listen, by the way, if you're listening to this and you're maybe the victim or the, the, the instigator of a divorce and you're hurting, you're looking back, I want you to know there is no condemnation in the Lord. God is not looking at you. I don't know if, you, you know, if you've treated someone badly, been treated badly, uh, things went awry, things broke apart. I'll tell you what, God is not the God of if only. God is the God of but now. So be released in Jesus' name. Know that our God is a God who brings hope and who brings life and who is able to make all things new when we just turn to him. And that's the good news of who our God is. But here's the deal. We've talked about the fact that, that they're naked and yes, they're enjoying that physical aspect, but I think nakedness is also a relational aspect of just being able to drop the masks, huh? Anybody else tired of feeling like, you know, when you're around somebody, it's like... I don't know if they're gonna accept me. Man, if they knew this about me, I better kind of put a cover up that part of my soul, cover up that insecurity. I don't want them to see that. You know, we have to present ourselves in a certain way. Anybody else? And God is saying, man, I, I, I designed you and wired you for relationship, but to truly be able to be in a naked relationship where you're vulnerable, where you're open to each other. Here's what I believe is that out of that comes confidence, right? When we are actually able to be vulnerable and naked with someone, Confidence may come from confidence. My, my, my friend Jonathan Stumbo turned me on to this truth that maybe confidence that we seek for so much and know that we need for, to face the challenges of this life. What if it actually comes from confidence, from being able to confide in someone else and they confide in us and we're naked and we're vulnerable and we're just real with each other. And then we can pray to the Lord and say, God, help us in our weakness. But then we can come together in faith and love and face whatever challenge, whatever job interview, whatever situation with our kids and face it with confidence. That's a gift from God. He knows we're wired for relationship. What about this? We are better together. We are better together. Why marriage? Man, I believe that, that God knows it makes us better. There's a passage in your notes from Ecclesiastes. I'm not gonna take the time to read it, but it talks about that very truth, that two are better than one. They can keep each other warm. They can defend each other if someone attacks. They can help each other up, right? I wanna tell you guys the most important truth I can give you in this amount of time 
this morning that's gonna help you reap the full benefits of marriage. If you're not married yet, as you think about marriage, this is gonna really help you understand a foundational truth, a secret, that if you don't get this, you'll never get marriage. Literally, it will, you'll just be missing it left and right and be frustrated and get angry if you don't get this that I'm about to tell you. And here's what it is. God designed marriage not just to make you happy, but to make you holy. Right? All the, man, if you listen to the press out there, oh, marriage is to make you happy. You know, you see all the e-harmony, how good it is to be loved by, oh, we might get, you know, we got married last year and everything is peaches and cream and hoo -hoo, you know. <laughs> I'm not saying there's not happiness in marriage. Don't get me wrong. God wants you to be happy, but he knows that his path to happiness and ultimate joy is found on the other side of becoming like Jesus. And God has designed marriage as this incredible incubator, this incredible oven, this incredible furnace, this incredible place where we can become more and more like Jesus. Listen to the two verses I'm gonna share with you. They're not in your notes. You might wanna write them down. Galatians 2, verse 20. The apostle Paul said these words, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live in the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, he saw what Jesus did for us on the cross, but he realized he's called us to join him. And he's actually made it a reality that we are crucified with him. That means our self. That means my desire for control. My desire to be the one that says, that's enough. No more. I don't have to take that. Now, I'm not talking about there's not a time for a separation to happen for safety reasons. There's times that that has to happen. There's times that obviously processes have to be in place to, to keep us safe and to, and to do all those things. But I'm talking about the idea that when I understand that God wants, let me put it this way, pain is a part of God's process. Okay? He wants happiness. Don't let the devil lie to you. Oh, God doesn't want you to ever be happy. He wants you to be miserable. No, God wants you to experience deep joy, deep satisfaction, deep gratification. But he knows that his way is in the midst of that for us to become like Jesus. I posted on Facebook, hey, you know, help me out. I'm preaching on marriage and, and help me uh, uh, illustrate, you know, or, or understand or be able to explain, you know, what is the reason that you feel God had you get married? And I want to read to you, there were many, many great responses and I wish I uh, could read them all to you. But this one came from a lady at uh, uh, Lakewood Campus, actually. There's a lot of smart people over at Lakewood Campus. Uh, I must have some great leadership over there, but... Uh, but here's Allison, Allie McCoy said these words. Concisely put, because round, smooth stones are better than jagged, pointy ones. Anybody taking a trip down the side of your house with a pointy, ha, ooh, ha, ha, ha. Okay, I just did yesterday. Rounded rocks skip on the top of water, whereas chunky rocks sink. Rounded rocks fit well into slingshots and take down giants. I'm assuming chunky rocks don't have the right aerodynamics for that. And so on. I'm sure you get the point. Essentially, listen to this. Love at close quarters over time 
smooths out the rough edges. Wow, that's pretty brilliant. Love at close quarters over time. You want to know how God can make us who he wants us to be? He will do it in a covenant relationship of marriage where we make each other better. And guess what? All of us want to marry this person, right? I mean, we just got out of a series of like the sweet life. Man, I want to be married to somebody who patient, loving, kind, joyful, you know, all those things. Yes, Lord, give me that person, Jesus. God's like, yes, I want to have you be married to this person someday, but I want you also to be this person. Like, whoa, wait, no, I don't want to be that. I, I can be the jaggedy rock. I just want to be married to the nice, smooth, round rock. And God's like, that's not how it works. It's all or nothing, right? It's either you're both becoming more like Jesus or no. And I'm telling you what, God is committed to this process. And again, this applies whether you're married, whether you're not married, whether you were married, whether you will be married, whether it never will be. God is committed to making you more like Jesus. But if we understand that pain is a part of that process, we will be able to cooperate with God and understand, right, that he's at work in our lives. There's a pastor named Peter Hyatt. He preached a message on marriage, and he said this, marriage is God's sneaky way to get us crucified. (laughs) Marriage, God's sneaky way to get us crucified. Because he knows, hey, as long as I'm in control, as long as myself is not being brought off the throne, we will not truly be able to experience the joys of becoming like Jesus and not just receiving love like Jesus did, right? I mean, God wants us to receive love. Listen, at all campuses, everywhere you're listening, God wants you desperately to receive his love, to say, look, this is how much I love you. Bleeding, bruised, spit upon, humiliated, naked. I'm hanging here because of my love for you. Receive my love. But it doesn't end there. That's the beginning. And then he says this, if you think it's fun to receive my love, which it is, right? Nothing wrong, man. Don't let, don't let the devil, you know, the devil's, man, he's such a liar. And it, yo, you have to be super spiritual and I don't like to, re- I don't need to receive God's love. I don't want God's blessings. I'm just so humble right here. No, I love God's blessings. Woo, glory to Jesus. All inclusive Cancun vacation. Amen, sign me up. You know, I love to be told, you know, I look good and, you know, nice haircut and, Nobody's, thank you, brother, because nobody has told me that yet. But (laughs) I love receiving blessings. I love receiving his love. God wants you to know that's not selfish. That's not wrong. He created us to love to receive. That's good. But that's step one. And then Jesus said these words, it is more blessed to give than to receive. He's not saying that's bad. He's saying, you think it's fun to receive? It is, but wait until you join me. Will you, will you come with me, not giving this away, but, but come with me and let me transform you to where now you're becoming the husband or wife that is forgiving. That when your spouse is in a crabby mood, you're able to be gracious. You're able to, to do, learn that a soft word turns away anger and not have to be like, well, what, no, yeah, you, 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 me, you, me, you, 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 me, 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 you know. Hey, come on, we've all, we've all done that, come on. But here's the deal. God is saying it's so much fun when you let that love be full circle and you will truly experience my love in your life. Marriage is an incredible way that God does that as we make each other better. But it's not the only way. God wants to do this in your life regardless. You know, they say married men, no, they say all men make mistakes, but married men just find out about them sooner. (laughs) It's a gift. We make each other better. What about this? The last reason I want to give you. 
is that together we reflect God's wholeness. Together we reflect God's wholeness. You know, the world is dying to see what God looks like, but they don't want to just read it in a book. They want to see it in, in, in flesh and bone in front of them. They want to see it at the water cooler at work. They want to see it when you go out on a double date and see how people treat each other who have the love of Christ. And I'm telling you what, God has set this up to where marriage can be a way that we reflect God's love. Let me tell you something about the character of God, about the culture of God. There's this fancy theological term, so you can bring it up at the you know, lunch table or dinner table, and people will think you're really smart. It's called the Godhead the Godhead. But what that replies to is simply the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? One God, three persons, that's the Godhead. But here's the thing, in that Godhead, which has existed from eternity and will exist through eternity, but there's this incredible thing. There's, we find relationship. God wired us for relationship. God pulled the woman from the man so they could have relationship. And there's also a culture of honor there. So you'll find that God the Father is going, hey, this is my son Jesus. Remember when he was being baptized? Hey, everybody, listen up. He's being baptized. This is my son whom I love. I'm well pleased with him. Listen to him. The Father's honoring the son. But then what's the son doing? He's like, oh, man, I, yeah, I mean, I'm okay, but man, my father is greater than I am. He's, my, my daddy's bigger than your daddy. You know what I'm saying? He was like, boop, mic drop. You know, like, what do you say to that? You know, yes. But Jesus is honoring the son. Then the Holy Spirit's like honoring, right? He's saying, let me remind you of the cool things that Jesus told you and spoke to you about. So that he's not like, hey, look at me. He's going, man, Jesus' words are incredible. Let me remind you of them. And then Jesus is like, well, you can talk bad about me, but don't mess with the Holy Spirit. You know, unpardonable sin. I don't know, even know what that means. That's another message for another day, but it sounds very serious to me. So Jesus is like honoring the Holy Spirit. So you get the picture. They're all honoring each other. Neither, none of them is exalting themselves. They're all exalting the other. And yet together, they're all being exalted. Does that make sense? It's this crazy mystery where humility and majesty and dignity actually work together. Normally it's like, well, I got to pick humility or dignity and God, in his brilliance, designed relationship where those two things can happen. And you can be building each other up while being humble. Who would have thunk it? Right? And here's the deal. When we step into that, in the marriage relationship, God is saying, man, if you will do that, husbands, if you will learn to honor your wives as Jesus loves the church, if you will choose to put her needs before your own. Guys, I know this is hard. It just is. I mean, you know, we have to drop on, Lord, I need your supernatural character in me. I don't have it in me. I, by sinful nature, I'm selfish. And I know I have the new nature of God, but sometimes it's like, you know, it's a bit of a, of a struggle there. But if God loves that, when we say, come to me, I will give you my strength to love her as I love my church. And then why is like, hey, submit and trust and encourage your husband as the church does with Christ. Ephesians 5 talks about that, that beautiful mystery. But what is it? It reveals God's character to the world. And I'm telling you what, I believe the world is waiting. And it goes on, we're gonna hear about messages about family and children. And, and man, that whole thing of family and those relationships can just be something so supernatural that even the hardest hearted person who can sit there and debate with you for hours, but when they see the love of God and the culture of God in humility and love revealed they have no answer for it. I believe God wants us to reveal him to the world. So how do we close today? 
You know, we said at the very beginning that marriage is God's idea. And I believe that if you're here, it's because you care about what God thinks, about what God says, about what God uh, wants to do in your life. But I wanna encourage you, the second part of that blessing is to be a doer of the word, right? Jesus said, those who have my commandments or my words, my teaching, and keep them and actually step in obedience and and trust and and give him the, the penalty flag and say, okay, this is scary, but I'm in. Or man, looking back, I have to forgive someone who wronged me and whether I can ever be reconciled to that person or not, but God, I, I yield it to you. Or if I'm single, saying, Lord, I embrace that you are gonna be these things to me if I don't have another physical person right now to be those things. Wherever you are in this process, whatever vantage point you're looking at this through, I believe all of us can say, God, I trust you. Maybe some of us are in a place where we're actually gonna take this and maybe it won't apply so much to us, but God's gonna use us to equip our children or stepchildren or grandchildren for the marriages that God wants for them to experience. But God is saying, do you see, church? It's my idea. If you want my blessing, do it my way. If you want my blessing, trust me. If you want my blessing, give me a chance and see what I will do. I'm telling you what, God will not disappoint you. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for your great love for us. Lord, I thank you so much that you're not an ogre and a killjoy, but Lord, you're a God who designed marriage and designed every aspect of our lives to bring honor to you, but also to bring joy to us. Ultimate joy, deep joy, abiding joy, peace, stability, safety, trust, confidence, Lord. It's what you have in your heart for us. And I pray that every one of your people who are listening today would see your heart and your character through this, even through looking at marriage, and that they would know that your heart is for them and that you're inviting them to take a step of trust in you to believe in what you say. God, to yield ourselves to you. God, I pray that we would be blessed in that, that you would meet us in that place and that we would be changed so the world would know that you are real and that you are love. We thank you for it, Father, in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen.